because I don't think that there's crime being near anywhere. And I I think in the video that Santa got me that it there was just a fake person in the video. And that there were a bunch of elves dressed up. No real Santa. Reindeer. And the fact that reindeer can't <laughs> okay, but that doesn't make one point. But also, your tone of voice makes them the other point. When I look at you, I can see you trying to hide a smile. I'm not trying to hide a smile. You're almost gonna giggle. <laughs> That was filmed when Hope, my daughter Hope, when she was, I think, seven years old, and Amanda was home on a Friday night. I was leading our youth service, and Amanda couldn't handle anymore, so she brings out the camera, and she's, she's watching our daughter move from young child into middle childhood right in front of her eyes, and it's, her heart is breaking, but she's having this internal struggle to go on inside of her. Do I wrestle with her about, is Santa real, is Santa not real? But it's hard to watch as a child might lose their innocence, their belief in the magical, their, their belief in the unbelievable. You know, there's a lot of stories that we as adults are faced with, and we'd really like to believe in them. We'd, we'd really love to believe the stories we're hearing, but, but conscience or, or logic preclude us from buying into a dreamy possibility. In fact, every four years, the NDP paints some wonderful changes that they would love to, to bring to our country. And they say, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And they make all these promises and say, and we're going to keep things fiscally responsible. And every four years, we go, I'm not sure if I can buy into the, the picture that they're painting for us, even though they seem to be proposing some great things. The Toronto Maple Leafs, they hang banners on the roof and they swear up and down that they were once actually a great hockey team and dominant in the NHL and they, and they tell us, you know, we will be a great hockey team again one day and people watch the game and then they go, mm, I don't, I'm not so sure actually that you actually ever were a great hockey team. And there are people that are um, in their 40s and 50s and 60s, and they tell us that before cell phones and the internet, people had meaningful lives, and they actually learned things. But no intelligent person buys into these myths. And so, and so we go and we vote a different way, and we cheer for the Habs, and we Google everything and find out information that way. Because <laughs> we can't buy into the magical. We can't buy into the unbelievable. The story of the birth of Jesus is one of those stories. In fact, it precludes people from Christianity all the time. It's a magical story. Why would God want to have a baby? And if so, why would God choose a teenager to have his baby? And even if that was true, he wouldn't want his baby born in a barn. And the biggest question of all is this. If it were really the God of the world, how come the people that knew God the best or claimed to know him the best, how come they didn't even recognize God and his baby? That's a pretty sketchy explanation that we give at the best of times. 
This morning, we're continuing in our Christmas series, the, the, the Stars of Christmas, and we're going to look at the good wife. And there's a portrayal of a woman who's caught in scandal, and she's perpetuating with either the most amazing truth or the greatest lie that's ever been told in the history of the world. And she strives to do her best for her new baby and her new family. And instead of reading the story this morning, Pastor Jeff decided that we should watch a movie instead of reading the text this morning. So we're going to watch our key text this morning out of the nativity. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but just go to the side screen. And it's actually going to come from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. But here's what it looks like in the nativity movie. Sometimes it's great to have the Bible played out like that in front of our eyes. We can read over 12 verses and just, well, there's an angel that came to Mary and gave her the word and she, and she obeyed. But sometimes it's kind of cool to see that what must she have been struggling with? Question for you, what is the first thing that you discovered to be true that your parents had always told you was true, but you had just never believed it to be true? Maybe we won't go back to Santa here, but maybe it was someday your, your parents said, you know, you want to move out of this house, but someday you're going to wish you were here and I was still making meals for you. And I, anybody have, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that right. And you thought, no, I just want out of my parents' house. And then one day you came back and you're like, man, I wish I had mom's cooking or something like that. Or all the things you said when you were a kid and you were growing up and you said, I will never do that to my kids. I will never make them eat this. I will never ground them. I will never, all these things you said you never do and now you're doing. All the things that you said, I'll never do that. And then you end up doing. Well, this is little Jewish Mary who would have heard the stories of her ancestors. She would have heard a story of Jacob who wrestled with an angel and won. She would have heard a story of Moses, her ancestor, who met God face to face and had this amazing experience. She would have heard about Elijah who had conversations with God. It had been 400 years since anyone had even claimed to have heard a message from God, let alone had a conversation with God. And the God that she had heard about was really just a story. And she would have grown up with this same struggle, saying, can I believe that this is true? It's a magical story. It's, it's hard to buy into. And then God showed up and speaks to her face to face. Could you imagine the feelings that would have been rushing through her at that time? It would have been terribly wonderful and terrifying all at the same time. And she's got to go through, God, why are you drawing me into this story now? How do I become this star now? Why? And as we're studying one of the stars of the Christmas story. Well, we're going to spend about 10, 15 minutes this morning looking at what Mary would have been feeling and experiencing. So you're going to want to go to your Portico app this morning. We're no longer on the version. So if you need to download the Portico app, just uh, go onto the Google Play Store or your iPhone and download the Portico app. All your notes are there. If you want to borrow a copy of the Bible, just slip your hand up and our ushers will make sure you get a copy to borrow this morning. And we're going to be rooted in the book of Luke this morning, looking at Mary's experience. And you can take your notes right on your app now, or or your notes are also within your bulletins. You can take them pen and paper that way too. But the first thought is this, is that why did God make Mary one of the stars of Christmas? Well, God sees the innocence of her character. Do you ever wonder if God ever notices our lives? Does living a life doing the right things, saying the right things, does it actually make a difference? 
Have you, like, have you ever found a wallet and there's cash in it and nobody's around and nobody would know if you took the cash? Does it really matter what you do with that cash? Does God care what you do with it? Or if your workday ends at 5 o'clock and everybody in the office leaves at 4.35 or 4.40, especially on Fridays by 4 o'clock, that office is cleared out. But you know that the boss has said you're supposed to be here till 5 o'clock. If you're going to leave early, let me know. Or maybe you can even work from home. And if there's anybody that works from home, you know this trick, right? Log on to your office email or log on to the go-to meeting. And you don't have to, you can do jobs around the house, but you can just continue to pretend to be at work. We were out for lunch last week and we joked about this one. We do this all the time. When kids get a free discount because they're 10 and under, you, you look at them and go, you're nine today, right? Yeah, you're nine today. Or maybe when I get to the other end and when the senior's discount comes at 60, I'm 60. Yeah, Bob's nodding his head. He knows. We can do it at both ends, right? Does it really matter? Does God care? Sometimes it seems like the investment isn't worth the return. God may or may not notice, and he doesn't really say that our faith Our faith doesn't depend on righteous living. He says this, right? The the basis of the Christian faith is that we don't have to live a perfect life. In fact, we can't live a perfect life. The entire premise of Jesus coming and dying for sin was because we don't live perfect lives. So why bother with it all? Does God pick favorites on those who live the righteous life? Let's look at the first words that the angel spoke in his greeting to Mary in Luke 1 and 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, these, why is she highly favored? These words are spoken to a teenage girl who somehow had a life that measured up to God's standards to become the mother of Christ. Now, if you have Catholic roots in your background at all, I know a lot of us have have grown up in Catholic church. There's a whole theology in the Catholic church about how Mary was not sinless up to this point, but because of this, she became sinless and God made her sinless and she was the mother of Christ and then we can worship her and we can worship Jesus through Mary. Now, there's no biblical evidence that this ever happened. The only thing we see is that the angel does come and say, you are highly favored. But what verse 27, the verse before that confirms was that she was a virgin. She was engaged to be married, but she was a virgin. And verse 28 explains that God chose to extend unexplainable grace to her. And the Christmas story begins when God noticed the life of a young girl. And here's all she did. She just tried to be faithful. There's no indication that to live a good life, means God 100% will favor you. There's no biblical indication for that. You live a good life, God favors you. Nothing. But there is an indication of this, that to receive God's favor requires an effort of living a righteous life. So just because you do it doesn't mean we get the favor, but the only way we can gain favor is to by make an effort to live the righteous life. Here's what 1 Peter 3 and 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord, read this, are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer. We will never know why God selected Mary and made her one of the stars of Christmas. But we can be sure this, that he would not have selected Mary unless she invested on her behalf of living a righteous life. What inspires you to live the way that you do? Is it the potential favor of God? Is that enough to drive you beyond doing what our society says is acceptable? 
See, our world is no doubt a survival of the fittest. And if everybody else keeps the money from the stolen wallet, and everybody else leaves at 435, and everybody else receives the child discount on the restaurant bill, we will fall behind. We will suffer if we live that, with that righteousness. And there's a lot of logic that go, goes against what Scripture says we should do. It goes against what we feel would be natural. And actually, it seems a little out there that we would ever try to live a life by biblical standards. God can't really expect well-trained, educated adults to believe childish stories about the golden rule, right? He can't. Mary became the star of Christmas because she dared to stay innocent. Because she dared to live a life of character. She lived a life that just believed, you know, God, if you're showing up and you're saying this is you, then I'm going to follow and I'm going to believe. And that kind of faith grabbed God's attention. Here's what we see in the Old Testament, Second Chronicles 16 and 9. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking for those of us who would say, yeah, God, I'll remain innocent. I'll remain able to believe in what seems unbelievable. I'll just follow what you've asked me to follow. I'm going to invite Juliet to come up this morning, and she's going to share a story of just her young son. He's six, right? Is he six? He's five. Oh my goodness. So he's just, uh, um, Heather, can you get Juliet the mic? Why don't you welcome Juliet to the stage this morning? And we were having a conversation last Sunday morning about just the way that, that God has grabbed her son's heart and he's just walking out in obedience and in innocent, just in truly innocent belief. And I thought, this would be a wonderful story to share this morning as we look at somebody who just encompasses the innocence of a belief and a trust. And if God says I should do it, I'm going to do it. Go ahead and share. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, so my son's name is Amani. We call him Dirago. Uh, yeah, he's five going on six in January. So um, we are driving. I usually pick them from school, take them to school. So one day I'm picking them from school, and he goes, Mama, guess what? I'm like, yes, Dirago. Um, so-and-so is, does not know God. So I go like, oh, so how do you know? Because I asked them. Okay. Yeah, I was asking him if he knows God, and he said, no, he just kept quiet. So that's how I know he doesn't know about God. So I was like, okay, maybe you can just share the stories you read at night with him. Okay. Then again, guess what, Mama? <laughs> Max doesn't know God. He, he, no, Max, Max is a Christian, but he doesn't know God. So I asked him, how do you know that? Because I asked him, and he said so. I was like, okay. And then again, so it's, it's almost like he's been, I don't know if it's called interrogating his classmates. <laughs> and I think he just goes straight up and asks them, do you know God? And they get back to him and either they are quiet or they say no. And then he categorizes them as whether they are Christian, if they know God or not. So it's, it's just that bit. He's not, I guess, gone out in terms of um, you know, you need to know God, and it's just that basic knowing the person. Do you know God or don't you know God? So, yeah, and and to make um, there's there's a girl I usually help by picking up from school, and they're Hindu. So, and she's in the car, and 
he goes like, oh, yeah, so mama, what, what about Kashmira? I'm like, okay. Um, so does she go to church? Does she know God? So this put, and that's how I came to Pastor Rick, because I was like, how, how, do I, how do I tell them such that they don't go, um, like, you know, my, uh, you, yes, you do go to temple and all, but your God is not a God. Like, how do I do it without him antagonizing or, or getting in trouble? Because, you know, he's, yeah, so um, that's how I shared this story with Pastor Rick, because he's, that, that's what he's been doing, wanting just to get... But it's up until that. And as, as Pastor Rick is saying, it's just that faith. He knows nothing else. There's what we, you, he's been taught. He knows there's a God. He's, he's invisible. Um, and he created everything. And so he just wants to know who else knows this. And I guess that's the act of faith for him. He knows nothing else, and he has to just tell everyone about it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> A five-year-old knows that he's supposed to share his faith and just find out who else believes in this. He's innocent enough to think, it doesn't matter, I'm just going to have the conversation. We start all these layers, well, I, I, I can't keep my innocence and belief in God because of this experience and this experience and this experience. We're going to get into that in a, in, in, in a moment, but I thought... We just need to remind ourselves that at one point in our lives, we all started there with the innocence. I can believe in a magical story. I can believe that what God says is true is true. And what God says he'll do, he'll do. And the story of Christmas starts out with a young teenage girl saying, God, if this is what you're going to do, this is what you say you're going to do, I'm just going to live that way. I'm just going to be the person that you've called it to be. Now let's contrast her in a little bit of a different life, light as we get to our second point. God welcomes the sincerity of her questions. God's favor, remember, he comes and says, you who are highly favored, his favor may not have actually been what Mary wanted. Because how did he favor her? Well, she was about to become a teenage mother who might lose her fiancé over this. She might lose her entire future and her family over this. She might have been disowned by her family and her religion. Well, thanks, God. That's just super. I've been really favored this morning by what you've done for me. Look at Mary's first response, though, to the grace and the favor she was shown in Luke 1 and 34. She asks, how will this be? Mary asked the virgin, uh, the angel, since I'm a virgin. She's saying, God, I'm not a health teacher. But I know how this works. <laughs> it, it takes a man and it takes a woman. They come together and then out comes a baby. You're, bre you're breaking laws of nature here. She, she questions God. She says, how is this going to be? And listen, we've got all kinds of questions. We, we just created uh, some, some of the questions, a slide, to think about all the questions that we may or may not have. Mary, it says in verse 29, she was troubled. She was confused. She was, she was disturbed. Do you know how normal it is to question God when he speaks and he moves? I want you to think about this. We, it is extremely normal to have a response of a question. God, do you want me to have a different faith than my family and friends? For those of you who weren't raised in a Christian family, I know what that feels like. Many of you would know what it feels like. God, do you, you want me to go against what my parents have said is right, what my family has said is right, what those around me is? God, that's what you're expecting of me? 
God, you want me to remain abstinent until, until marriage? People don't do that. that. That's not the way that life is lived out. God, you expect me to trust that this sickness, this job loss, this total expected turn in my life is part of your plan, is part of what you expect for me? God, nobody else takes these things seriously, so, so why should I? But Mary, the star of this show, she would have had all these same thoughts. And sometimes I think we forget about this. We just think, well, Mary just obeyed. Mary immediately goes to her cousin to see if her cousin was buying into the vision of angels that she had just had. She wanted to know, am I the only one or does my family believe the same thing? She must have been terrified talking with Joseph, her fiance. Could you imagine the discussion she would have had with her father? How do you start a conversation like that? Uh, Dad, here's the thing. <laughs> this is all part of God's plan. Just remember, I was, out, I was out in the field and there was an angel. And the angel said, you're going to be pregnant, but don't worry. It's God's son. It's not Joseph's son. And you're just still, still supposed to get married to Joseph and raise him as your own son. But it wasn't Joseph. <laughs> Seriously, Dad, this is all going to be good. It's all going to work out. How do you have that conversation? Like, what, do you, what, do you, what, what kind of buttering up does it take for a father to buy into that story to be real? It takes a father that says, my heart is fully submitted. It takes a person that says, my heart is innocent, and I can believe in that. But God's okay with a sincere question. There are people in churches all over the country today that are re-encountering this Christmas message, hearing an unbelievable story, but something about it rings true, and here's what they're wrestling with. They're wrestling with the thought, can I trust God? Should I trust God? Is it even right to trust God? And these are the same wrestle points that people have had for years. David, who wrote the book of Psalms in Psalm 10.1, he said, Lord, why do you stand so far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble. This is King David, who knew God, who wrote worship, who wrote the Bible. And the most amazing thing is that God is 100% okay with his question. Because it was a question of a sincere heart that actually brought David closer. And a sincere heart with a question doesn't drive a wedge between us and God. It brings us closer to God. Because God never fails. At every turn, for every question that Mary had, God had an eventual answer. And the big word there is eventual. <laughs> we read the story in one sitting, but this was a nine-month journey, right? We, she would have had to, the days after she had this encounter, she would have had those horribly awkward conversations. And it would have had some, some fallout. There would have been this time of, do we believe, do we not believe? Then she would have had nine months of physical discomfort, of morning sickness. Then she would have had a 120-kilometer donkey ride from Nazareth to Bethlehem days before giving birth, and she was going to do it in a barn, laying in a bunch of straw. <laughs> Let me reiterate, God never had an answer for Mary right away. Why would anyone in this situation believe the magical story? Mary questioned as well. We have to know this. We have to read into the story that Mary, she didn't disobey, she didn't turn her back, but she would have questioned. And as you sit here in church, what is the giant question that you have for God? God, why can't you just fill in the blank there? What is the question that you had for God? God, I, I just need money for this, and then I could believe you were real. God, I just need that job. God, we're just praying for this kid. God, we're just praying for this healing. It would be so much easier for me to believe in you if you would just fill in your blank. 
Well, what an amazing God we serve because he welcomes these questions. And we're in the right place here this morning. We're in the right spot to ask the question. And here's the question that God poses back to you and I this morning. Are you open to my purpose for your life? Whatever it may be, whatever it may look like, are you going to be open enough just to have an innocent belief? See, Mary had to wrestle with the question for her life. Before she would become the eventual star of Christmas that she was, she has to come to this resolution. And here we come to the resolution of our message and our time together this morning in her response. God rewards the faithfulness of her actions. Luke 1, 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And that's Bibleese for God, you made me. I choose to serve you. And whatever you have, I'm in. And the greatest myth is this, that following Jesus, believing in Jesus improves your life. It improves your future. It offers you peace today for all the stuff that you're going through. But following Jesus, believing in Jesus may actually lead you into a more difficult circumstance this morning than before believing in Jesus. But look at Mary's response and the faithfulness that God rewards. There were she and Joseph go through with the marriage even though there was scandal. So God still gives her a marriage. Shepherds, angels, and wise men came and confirmed that the difficult path that was laid out before Mary was not just a dream. It was indeed God's path for her life. Even when she goes to routinely dedicate her son in the temple, something that all the Jewish babies would have gone through, something that we do at our church, we dedicate newborns, it became an opportunity for church leaders to speak prophecy over her baby. And you can read that later on in the Christmas story. But here's Mary's response, and I'm going to read it for you. All, there's uh, 10 verses, Luke 1, 46 through 55. Here's what Mary says. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. His, holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He scattered those who were proud in their innermost thought. I love that. They were proud in their innermost thoughts. They didn't have sincere questions. He has brought down rulers from their throne, but he's lifted up the humble, and he has filled the hungry with good things. But he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants, his people, forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Trust in the Lord. Sometimes it's a disposition of our hearts. And sometimes it's an action of obedience. Sometimes it's mental, just believing that, yep, God's in control and I believe him to be true. Sometimes it requires a physical step. Neither is easy. And the trouble with the Bible is that we make superheroes out of ordinary, everyday, regular people. Mary was a teenager who had every reason to turn her back on that angel and do life her own way. She had every reason to walk away. Her innocence of her character, her sincere heart, it led to faithfulness from God. It all led her right back to closeness with God. This morning as we close, the question I have for us is what weighs heavy on our hearts this morning? That thing that I asked earlier that said, God, if you would just do this, 
What is the thing that you want God to fix? The thing that you say, God, I don't know why this is the way that it is. For some of us, it may even be, God, if you could just prove to me that this story is real, I can't believe in a magical story of Christmas. And it's because my life has this and this and this in it. You're faced again this morning with this story of a virgin having God's baby. And that baby was the plan to save the world. Listen, this is a baby that can fix marriages. This is a baby that can heal sicknesses. This is a baby that can open up doors for jobs. He may not do it today. He may. But the story of Mary is one that just says, I'm going to do, I'm going to believe that it could be true. I'm going to take a step of faith even when it's difficult. And God's okay with our questions. All he asks is for a sincere innocence in the room this morning. Mary found out that even though the struggle was real that she faced, when she allowed herself to look beyond her situation and just trust that God had a purpose and God had a plan, she found out the absolute best news to be true is that Jesus came to be with us. God came to be with us. And Heather's just going to lead us in a quiet reflection song this morning. And so wherever you are this morning, I'm going to challenge you. Would you offer that thing that feels like there could be separation between you and God? Offer it back to him and say, God, I trust this morning. God, I'm going to give it back to you with sincere innocence in my heart. Just say, I believe in the story, in the story of Christmas this morning. Would you stand with me this morning? And as Heather just continues to play, to play, if you just need to receive confirmation of his presence and his truth this morning, I'm just going to ask you as an act of surrender, just open your arms or lift up your hands or as I stand here this morning and say, Lord, some days it is difficult for me to believe that you still do the magical. God, because I live in reality where I don't always see magical. And you live outside of this realm. And I trust you, Lord. I trust you that when life is difficult, there's a purpose. I trust you that when there seems to be no answer that my future isn't on this earth anyway. My future is with you. So Lord, I receive just the confirmation by your spirit this morning. And right now, Lord, everyone who has submitted their hearts and openness this morning, I ask that the Holy Spirit come right now and give them confirmation that just like Mary needed that day, Mary would have needed to know that this was you and this was real and she could walk away from that in confidence. In the name of Jesus, I pray that we be able to walk away from this, believing, Lord, that you have an answer. And if we see it today, thank you so much. And if we don't see it today, we're still going to believe because you came here so that we could have closeness. You came here so that we could have peace. You came here so that we could be called your sons and daughters. So Holy Spirit, come now. Holy Spirit, come now. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for 
times like this, just soft times in your, in your presence with your people together, we're praying. And, and Lord, I ask that over this Christmas season, when it's crazy, when we're down, when we're tired, when we're sick, that you just give us what we need. You give us this reminder that you're with us, that you haven't forgotten about us, and that we can walk confidently that you have a plan. God, thank you for your word, and we thank you for the story of Mary that we've just walked through this morning. And as we, as we go through our week, I pray that the images we saw on the screen, the words that we read, that's the Bible, that's truth, that's life to us. Help it become life to us, and help us to live it out confidently just like she did, Lord. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be together, Jesus. I assist in your name. Amen. Amen.